0: Do you ever find yourself yearning to look beyond the obvious and dreaming about what's possible in your next chapter? Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett, former corporate executive who turned the page to become a best-selling author, entrepreneur, designer, and lifestyle business consultant. Episodes feature me and a kaleidoscope of guests who share their journeys with wit, candor, and humor. Graving life into real talks about things that matter most. I believe we all have a fire burning within us, waiting to be unleashed and shared with the world. It may just be a matter of time. So let's get together, turn the page and get this adventure started. Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Lissette, and today's guest is Liam Naden. Liam is a speaker, he's a teacher, and he's also a writer and a researcher. And Liam helps you understand the process for creating the success you want in your life by understanding how to use your brain the right way, overcoming your problems, achieving your goals, and ending frustrations. He is the host of the podcast, Using Your Brain for Success, and creator of NeuroState Rebalancing, a process that automatically gets the four parts of your brain working the right way to bring you the life you want. Liam is also an experienced marriage and relationships coach. He's the host of Growing in Love for Life podcast and author of more than 20 books and creator of four relationships coaching programs. Liam, welcome to the next chapter experience. I'm looking forward to this conversation.
1: Hi, Jeanette. Thank you very much for having me on your show. I'm looking forward to it as well.
0: So Liam, if you wouldn't mind unfolding what got you to this point in your life in this chapter where you are doing the work that you're
1: doing. I'm originally from New Zealand, but the last few years I've been traveling the world really, mainly in Europe, and at the moment I'm in El Salvador. For most of my life, as you mentioned in your introduction, I'm very much about helping people understand why they get the results they do in their life, why their life is the way it is. And this was a question that, that I was always interested in knowing about it. And I was also interested in trying to figure out how can I be the best? How can I have a great life, a happy life, a successful life? And And hopefully a life without too many problems. So for many years, I went down through all sorts of avenues of studying these things from personal development, religion, I was brought up in a religious household, and spirituality. And I was the sort of person who was very driven to be successful. And I had my own businesses. I've had my own businesses all my life and been successful in a lot of my business ventures. But I was the person who was always ready to go to the next seminar, read the next book, do the next course on things like motivation, goal setting, how your mind works, your subconscious mind versus your conscious mind, reprogramming your beliefs, and doing meditation and spirituality and all those sorts of things as well. So I literally went all over the world to seminars and workshops and did online courses. So I thought by the time I was in my mid 40s, which wasn't that long ago, I thought I've got a pretty good handle on this thing called success, because here I am, I'm a multimillionaire, I've got a number of different businesses. I've got multiple homes. I've done a lot of travel. I've done a lot of good things. Life's pretty good. But the fact of the matter was, life wasn't that good because I had a lot of stress and problems. And I was really on that entrepreneurial treadmill, if you like, that I think so many people entrepreneurs or not are on, which is I've got a lot of problems that I have to keep dealing with in my life. That's the price you pay for success. If you want to be a successful person, you're going to have to overcome challenges and set bigger goals and achieve more. And you're going to have all these difficulties that you have to overcome and deal with. That's just something you have to learn to live with. So that's what my life was like. And of course, many people or many read books and this is sort of perhaps a general belief that's true. Now, I subsequently discovered that's not true at all that your life is not supposed to be about problems. And if you have problems, it's actually because of something else entirely. Anyway, there I was in my mid-40s, on the outside doing really well, on the inside continuing to look for the next thing that would give me some control over my life and stop so many problems and so much stress happening. So there I was... And what happened next was something that should never have happened to me because I was such an expert on success. And that was that I lost everything. I literally went from being a multimillionaire to being homeless overnight, almost. I had to move in with my elderly mother, who was in her 70s, back to the town where she was living. And I had to sleep on the sofa in the living room in her small apartment. And I had absolutely nothing. And I thought at the time, why has this happened to me? I know about beliefs and programming your mind and positive thinking and setting goals and knowing what you want and the law of attraction and all of these things. But here I am in a position where none of this was what I wanted. And worse than that, I didn't know how to change things. I didn't know how to take control of my situation. I knew nobody. I had no friends. All my businesses had gone. Everything. And I had no clue on what to do. When I got through that experience and started to rebuild my life, I noticed things were going in quite a different direction for me because I started to rebuild, get back into setting up my own businesses and being successful again, making money. I attracted a new relationship because all of that had gone when I lost everything, literally, and started doing things that I really enjoyed. But what I noticed was things were happening in quite a different way because before I had been chasing after success and it's like I'd been always looking, how can I be more successful? How can I get more, be more, do more? And it was full of stress. And problems. But in my quote unquote new life, what seemed to be happening was I wasn't chasing after success. It was as if, in a strange sort of way, success was coming to me. So I was coming up with really good ideas strange new different ideas of what I could do to be successful. And people were coming into my life. I remember an experience when I was in a shop actually and a man came in who I hadn't seen in 30 years. Now this was when I had nothing and he said hey Liam and he recognized me and he said, you were really good at what you did then. There's an opportunity for you to do something similar right next door in the business premises to where I am. Why don't you come along and do it? I thought never thought of that. But I did and it all worked out. I didn't have problems, I didn't have any money, but somehow all All the pieces fit into place and people came along and the people to help me in the right circumstances. And from there, that's literally how it went. And I remember waking up one day and thinking, what's happening with me? Because before I was thinking, what's happening with me when I was losing everything? And now I'm thinking, what's happening with me that for the first time in my life, I don't have stress and problems. Things are actually working. People and circumstances and the right things all seem to be happening. And here I am really enjoying my life, really feeling in control of my life doing things that I love to do. And I don't have any stress and problems. I'm working hard doing the things that I love, but I don't go to bed at night dreading getting up the next morning. And I don't get up in the morning dreading opening my inbox for my email, wondering what problems I'm going to have.
0: I have a question about that. I was thinking about this as you were talking about your achievement drive, that drive to to be better, do better, and show up and really give it 100%. As you're going to these workshops and you're going to these seminars and you're reading these books and you're doing all those right things. What was the thought that you were having as you started to make the comparison between when you were chasing it and when you were attracting it?
1: That's really the question I had. I said to myself, what am I doing differently? Because I need to figure out what I'm doing differently because I want to make sure I keep doing it because this is actually working. Whereas all of that stuff for me didn't work. And that really led me on a journey in quite a different direction, which you mentioned in your introduction about what I do now because I realized the missing link, the missing link for everybody in terms of living a life without problems and being the best thing you can be versus a life of struggle comes down to a biological thing, it comes down to this thing, the brain. The brain is a machine, an instrument that every living thing has been given to ensure that it has the greatest chance for survival by being the best that it can be. And I'd never thought about the brain in that way before. I never thought about our biological purpose, that we have a biological mechanism because we live in a biological world. We're governed by the laws of nature. If you walk out a 10-story building, you're going to fall down. And it doesn't matter how motivated you are or how much you pray or how much you try and change your beliefs. This is one of the laws. And another law is the law of thriving. And what that law says is that every living thing is designed to strive to be the best that it can be so that it has the greatest chance for survival. And the machine, as I said earlier, what every living thing has been given to ensure that happens is the mechanism of the brain. Mm -hmm. So that was the difference. And when I started To really dig into this, I thought I'd missed this. Maybe it was just me, but I'd never heard about any of this sort of thing from any of the seminars or anything I'd been to. But when I started to really dig into this, I realized firstly, it's actually quite obvious when you really understand it and really start. Thinking about it, it makes such total sense. And the other thing I found interesting was how to use your brain the right way, how to use this machinery, this mechanism in exactly the same way as you would use any other part of your body to do its job. This has been taught to us in spiritual traditions, in religion, throughout history, but it's never really been understood by most people as to how it works. So the brain has this function to ensure that we have the greatest chance of survival. And what does the greatest chance of survival really mean? It means that being the best you can be. Now, that's not just on a physical level, humans. That also means spiritual, mental, and emotional. So what that really means, and I know I'm probably throwing a lot at once at the moment, what that really means when you really think about it is when you are the best that you can be, that's when you are the happiest. Being happy is a biological purpose that you have. It's not to have problems and stress, which take away from your happiness and stop you being the best that you can be, actually damage your body and give you a shorter life. Whereas when you are happy and fulfilled, you do, the, do better things, you feel better, and you actually, the science has, has clearly seen this, that the less stress you have, the healthier and the longer and better life that you have.
0: Is happiness a relative concept? So what may make you happy or me happy may not align with what someone else defines as happiness. The reason why I ask that question is, the brain functions the way you shared, and there are some people who are quote-unquote happy, and then from the outside, looking at it, you're thinking, how could they possibly Happy with that. Do you
1: follow what I'm saying? I do, but the interesting thing about happiness, what really creates happiness in your life? One thing we need to be aware of is your brain. It's also an instrument of of your perception. So if you are using it the wrong way, you don't see the world in the right way. And I can explain a bit later why that is. If you use your brain the wrong way, you see it in a very limited way because that's what it's designed to do because it's designed to carry out a particular function when you're in a limited state. But when you're in your true state, which is And I've explained what this is, but when you do feel happy, truly happy, one of the things is you raise your awareness and you see the truth about everything. And one of the truths about everything is that you can't judge what someone else's circumstances are. And not only that, you can judge your own circumstances and you can be happy with whatever your situation is. I'm not sure if that makes total sense. It's all about perspective. When I lost everything, was that a disaster? Was that awful? Was that the most horrible experience that anyone could possibly have? And people say to me, how could you go? through that. I couldn't stand it if I went through that. But why is it now I can say it's the best thing that ever happened to me? It was wonderful. It was a huge gift. It's given me all of this. It set me off in a new direction. Instead of being all stressed and going down all the path of trying to figure out stuff that didn't work, it forced me, if you like. It was a gift to set me in a new direction where I started to learn and understand how I really could be happy, how I really could take control of my life and be successful. Happiness is nothing to do with what happens to you in your life. It's all to do with the meaning you attach to it. And that comes from how you use your brain. When you use your brain the right way, it finds the right meaning for what's happening to you, which is always positive. It must be because your brain is there to give you the best life experience. And your best life experience might be being homeless or a part of your journey might be to be homeless. It might be to suffer a a medical challenge, whatever it is. That's part of your individual journey that your brain will provide for you to ensure that you be your best if you allow it to.
0: That makes sense to me in actuality because I know Maya and. Angelo has said, when you're in predicaments or situations, one of the questions that you should ask yourself is what is the lesson? What is there to learn in this moment? And I've applied that many times to situations that I've been in where I'm looking at it critically and asking myself, what is the lesson? So I I get what you're saying.
1: Really helpful thing is to instead of saying to yourself why is this happening to me, say why is this happening for me? And when you ask that question, your brain comes up with different answers and you start to see things from a different perspective and you say, maybe I'm a homeless person with nothing or who's been abused in my childhood so that later on I'm going to have an opportunity to help other people in that situation to inspire them to overcome their their pain.
0: You bring up a great point and I've heard this many times in some of the podcasts in terms of trauma that we or people in general have experienced in their life and with Mm. unresolved trauma that causes you to perhaps act a certain way or perceive things a certain way and sometimes it can be Limit you from the relationships that you could be having. So, one of the questions that I'd like you to consider while we are in this conversation today is the work—the work that we have to do individually, or we get to do individually—as we prepare ourselves to interact with people in general. Of course, this is about relationships and marriage. So, the road I'm leading down is when we feel that we are ready for relationships, men and women. What do you think the work is that we should do to put ourselves in the best position to actually have a positive outcome in terms of how we connect.
1: Can I answer that question, which is a great question, with a slightly long-winded answer, which explains how the brain works? Because what you need to do, if you like, is get yourself in the right brain state to get the right result. And most people are in the wrong brain state and wondering why they're not getting the right result, why they're struggling to find a relationship, to hold on to a relationship, and to, to create a relationship that they really want and feel fulfilled and happy in. And it's all because they're using their brain the wrong way. So if I can give you a brief, and would that be all right? Just give oh, you a absolutely. brief introduction yeah. to this thing called the brain. Because You see, what I found really interesting because I do a lot of marriage coaching and relationship coaching, as you mentioned, i been really puzzled for quite a long time because I have these coaching programs and most of the time, the people who come to me for help are in a very bad situation in their marriage or their relationship. They might've had their spouse say to them they want to leave, they want a divorce and they don't want a divorce and they don't know what to do. So I've created some very effective coaching. Programmes that show them what to do. But the thing that puzzled me was some people did what was in the program and they got a good positive result. Other people didn't do what was in the program or they did it in a different way and they didn't get a positive result. And I thought, what's the difference? Because they all had the same information. And then I thought, is it a question of motivation? And no, it wasn't because everybody who came to me who didn't want their marriage to end, they were very motivated and still are to do whatever it takes, they would tell me. I'll do whatever it takes to save my marriage. So it wasn't that. It wasn't a question of information because they had all the information, that, the same information that it was very effective. And many people that had looked at other things and read books, et cetera. And what I realized was they were in a different brain. The only difference was the brain state that they were in. And that brain state determined everything that they got in their life, including their relationship. So here's how it works. And there's a whole biological, technical, scientific body of words and jargon about this, but I've simplified it into a model. But Essentially, if you accept the fact that your brain Is designed to give you the best life experience possible, to make you the happiest that you are, so that you're the best that you can be, so that you have the greatest chance to survive biologically. If you accept that's the truth, it's called the law of thriving, then you need to understand how your brain actually does that. It's a machine that does that. And there are four regions to your brain, all which have a different function in ensuring that you are the best that you can be. And the first part's on the top of your head, and it's what I call the intellectual brain or the thinking brain. And this part of your brain, the purpose of it is to gather and store information so that you can recognize things. So in every moment of your life, everything that piece of information that comes from your environment through your five senses... So everything you hear, smell, taste, touch, see, and your thoughts get stored in the thinking brain in what is essentially a large library or a database of information. That's what it's there for. The second part of your brain is your feeling or your emotional brain, and that's located quite near the center of your head, below your thinking brain. And the purpose of this part of your brain is to make you feel different emotions. So what it does is it responds to what's in your environment, and it tells you it's either safe or it's dangerous. If it's safe, it's sends chemicals Sometimes we call them hormones or neurotransmitters as a signal to activate the part of your brain that make you feel good and do the right things. And if it says there's a danger, it sends a different set of signals in the form of fear, worry, stress, anxiety to get you to do different things. That's your emotional brain. It controls your feelings, which direct how the rest of your brain functions and therefore what you do and what you achieve in your life. The third part of your brain is what I call the survival brain. This is at the back of your head largely. And this manages everything to do with your moment by moment moment survival without you having to think about it so it's when you breathe all your bodily functions your breathing your heart rate your digestion all of those things obviously those three parts are really important and for many for much of neurological science study that was regarded that those were the three parts of your brain that governed your life but more recently a few researchers and what i discovered was what re- researchers have started to uncover has been taught through spiritual and religious tradition throughout from for a very long time there's actually a Fourth part of your brain. There are, there's an area of your brain that is different from your thinking part, your your feeling part, or just your survival part, and it's what I call your creative brain. Now, this region of your brain, this is responsible for things like your creativity, your imagination. It's where you get these new ideas. These I wonder where that idea came from. It's where you get those gut feelings. You go, I should do that. Doesn't make any logical sense, but I should do it. Or no, I shouldn't do that. Something feels wrong. That doesn't seem right. I don't know what it is, but I should not go there. This is also inspiration comes from. Musicians, composers have described this. In fact, any creative person, many creative people have described this throughout history. And for instance, composers have said, I just heard the music and I wrote it down. I don't know where it came from. No idea. It came from somewhere, but I just heard it and I wrote it down. Writers, artists, they all talk about this. And uh, the other interesting part of this, part of your brain, the creative part, remember what we're dealing with is a machine that is vastly more powerful than any other, any computer on the planet. It's, you have have the computing power of 500 trillion computer microprocessors inside your head. So it's not only designed to make you be the best that you can be so that you, you have the greatest chance for survival. It can actually do that. It has the power to do that. One of the things this part of your brain has the power to do is to bring to you the right people, the right circumstances that you need for that to happen, for you to be the best that you can be. Now, on a low level of awareness, we call that chance, synchronicity, coincidence. You go, oh, that's just luck. There's nothing lucky about this universe. Everything is in perfect harmony. The sun goes up and comes down in its own rhythm. Everything moves perfectly. We only see it as luck because we're not using this part of our brain and that's the key thing. This creative part of your brain is the part that's responsible for ensuring that you have the best life possible and that you do it sometimes called being in the flow being in the zone. We've all had that experience everything is going well. We're going how is all this happening? It's all great and we're feeling love, we're feeling creativity, we're feeling motivation, we're feeling gratitude that's actually when we're being the best that we can be and that's our natural state I call it our natural creative state however there's only one time when you're not supposed to feel like that from a biological survival level and that is here you are doing all these great things being the best you can be but when the brain was formed if you like or developed there are a lot of dangers outside in the environment if you're a caveman walking down the path and a lion jumps out okay now there's an unexpected danger so what do you do in that situation your brain has a mechanism to deal with that to ensure that you survive that unexpected threat or that thing that could kill you or certainly harm you what that does is it sends a message through your emotional brain to say things are not great, you've got an immediate danger. So it activates something called the sympathetic nervous system. And it does that through fear. When you feel fear, stress, worry, anxiety, you activate this thing called your sympathetic nervous system. And what that does is it switches your brain operation from your creative brain to your survival brain. And specifically, it activates something we call the fight, flight, freeze mechanism. So what happens is the lion comes running at you and your brain says, I've got an immediate danger, stop feeling good, feel fear. What? Do you need to do to react to get out of that situation do you need to run away shout for help stand and fight whatever it is you're going to need a lot of energy and you need to get rid of that so you eliminate the danger and then you go back to being the best that you can be and having your greatest chance for survival because remember this is a survival instinct as well but what the brain actually does is it, it's, it sets up this reactive state we just react to the danger so you jump out of the way or you shout for help now usually you're not doing this consciously you're not thinking about it you're just reacting and because what actually happens when your survival brain takes over it takes all of the energy from the rest of your body as much energy as it can to use that energy to deal with the threat because this is why you hear of people who can lift a car off somebody who's hurt or they can run incredibly quickly away it's because your brain has taken all of the energy from other parts of your body and is using it to to eliminate that threat but here's the thing what does it take energy from it takes energy from things like your digestion because this is why people are depressed often If you're stressed, you're often not hungry because your digestion is shut down because you don't need digestion to face the lion unless you want to eat it. But the other thing it shuts down is your creative brain. That creative part of your brain that is responsible for getting you to do the right thing, knowing what you want, knowing what your goals should be, knowing what you should do in this moment, be motivated, be creative, be resourceful. All of that is blocked off. You don't need that to deal with a lion about to eat you. You just need to react to that situation. And not only that, it could even be harmful to use all of that stuff because you don't want to be saying, oh, there's a lion running at me, but I'm so appreciative and grateful about the trees and the flowers in this wonderful environment. So that's a wonderful function that you possess to deal with any time an immediate threat at some Thing that comes along that could damage you or harm you now we don't have lions these days but maybe you're walking down the street and a car comes towards you and you have to jump out of the way or someone comes at you and they, they look like they're going to hit you happened to me yesterday
0: actually in terms of the danger of another vehicle going at a high speed on a local street and endangering a lot of other people I was two cars away from the accident in that moment I was listening which is a good thing and I heard the vehicle rev up and my instinct just took over and I turned my car slightly to get out of the way, and I, what you're talking about,
1: and you didn't think about it, did you? You just found yourself doing the right thing, exactly. So, yeah.
0: as we apply some of the learnings and some of your teachings to how we function in marriages yeah. and in relationships, how does all that come into? That's
1: what I'm just about to go on to. Because here's the thing: when you realize that, when you feel fear, stress, worry, anxiety, what you've actually done is you've activated your sympathetic nervous system, which is telling your brain that there's a threat to your survival. And you've shut down all of your awareness, you've shut down all of your ability to see the right things to do, and you're trying to solve the problems in your life from that brain state, you can never do it. Because that part of your brain is not designed to figure out what you should do. It's not designed to figure out what any solution to your problems are. It's not designed to tell you what your goals are. But people are constantly in a state of fear and stress, particularly about their relationships. They're worried about it. Or what happens if this doesn't work out? What happens if I do the wrong thing? And I'm so worried. And people are driven by fear in their relationships, fear of uh, if I lose, and people, this is what they say to me, this marriage has to work because I don't want to be on my own. I'm afraid of being on my own. I'll never find anyone else. I'll feel a failure. Other people will criticize me and say that I'm a failure. I'll look back on the whole situation with regret that I didn't try hard enough and I will regret all of the great things that could have happened if I'd worked harder on that relationship. Or my children will be harmed because they'll be brought up in a broken home. But what they don't realize, all of those fears have you locked in a brain state, which means you can never solve that problem. You can never do the right things. What do people do when they're faced with a Problem in their marriage or relationship or they're worried about things, they usually do the wrong things. You know, they react. Instead of becoming more attractive to their partner or their spouse by being this great, happy person and, and not worried about what happens, they become totally unattractive. They become needy and they say, oh, let's go to counseling and let's try and work it out and I can't bear to leave you and I love you. None of those things are helpful. So it all comes down to your brain state. If you can learn how to eliminate fear and people carry around all these subconscious fears, which are totally irrational because you think Thinking you're going to end up on your own if this marriage doesn't work out or that you're a failure or that your children are going to be harmed or people are going to criticize you. That isn't what happens in reality. Usually people move on if their marriage ends. They move on to something a lot better. And if they don't, it's because they're harboring all of these fears. And it's the same with people looking for a new relationship. If you have all these preconceived beliefs about dating's really hard and knows all the good ones are taken.
0: Liam, all the good ones are taken. I can't tell you the number of times I've heard that from friends who... who- like to be in a relationship and find themselves struggling but to either attract or be about what they think someone else is looking for.
1: That's the thing when you actually eliminate the fear and this is what I teach in this process I have called neurostate rebalancing is to get your brain to realize that all of these things you're tricked into thinking that you're afraid of them and it's using the wrong part of your brain. This is the beauty of what happened to me about losing everything because before that I didn't know at the time but what had driven me were these deep fears about losing everything and being unloved. That was what I was terrified of that was what was driving me to think I need more so I was driven by my fears to do all of the wrong things when I actually experienced that when I did lose everything and when nobody loved me my brain could release that fear and say well it's happened you're still here this isn't a threat to your survival what were you ever afraid of and that released my brain to allow me to therefore activate my creative brain but without those fears and the right things started to happen fear is only there to deal with a lion running at you it's not hmm. there to deal with your general life
0: so Let's apply that. Let's apply that thought right there as it relates to relationships and marriages. Let's just say. So, for the women who are single right now and who are not in a relationship but have the fear that they will be alone the rest of their life, let's just deal with that. How would you coach that person's thinking around the fear? It's something that they've conceived based on prior experiences. How do you address that?
1: That's what my process, neurostate rebalancing, is about. And there are seven steps in the process. It's not. complicated process but what it does is it gets your brain to realize that whatever you think is true that you're unattractive or that the good ones are taken, or that whatever it is. One of the things you need to do is you need to identify what your actual fear is, because it's often not just one. It's not but not attractive. That there are several other fears, like I'll be alone and lonely, and people will criticize me, and all of those things. So you, you need to identify that first, and then you need to re- retrain your. There's a couple of other things you need to do. One, you need to retrain your brain to realize that's not that's not true. That you are attractive, that and that unless you've got two heads or three heads or you're some ab- abnormal thing, but when you get rid of that fear, you allow, and your creative brain takes over. You start to see that you are attractive, and when you start to feel that you are attractive, if you want to use the law of attraction idea, you start to act in a way that makes you attractive to the right person. And that, and remember, your creative brain—it's not you; it's not your thoughts that bring the results in your life. It's your creative brain at work. So it's going to bring the right people. It's going to bring the right circumstances. And again, it says in the Bible: "Give no thought for tomorrow." Do not worry about what you shall eat, drink, or wear. This will all be provided for you. It's provided for all of the flowers and the fields. Aren't you much greater? Don't you think you're going to be provided with? So you need to release your thinking brain and your survival brain from this fear state to trusting, allowing, and understanding what actually creates the results in your life. Because sometimes I say to people, you're married or you're in a relationship now, the person that you're married to or in a relationship with, the day before you met them, did you sit down and write out on a piece of paper or whatever a goals list and say, at 9.46 tomorrow morning, I'm going to meet this person and they're going to have all of these qualities and characteristics and they're going to be my ideal partner and we're going to have a great life together. You didn't think it into reality. It showed up, didn't it? All it and it's not just for relationships, but so many things. You go, wow, what's the career I've got or the business I've got or the relationship I've got? It just happened. I don't know what caused it, but I just happened to meet that person. It wasn't intentional. Now it is intentional. It's your creative brain at work saying, I'm going to bring you the best person for you that is going to make you the happiest and best that you can be so that you have the greatest chance for your survival. But you need to get out of the way. You need to stop trying to use your thinking brain and your fear-based survival brain to do that because that's not what they're there for. The creative brain's job is to give you the best life possible. So you can't think it through. You can't force it through stress because most people are trying to achieve something to overcome a fear and to make them feel better. They say, I want to be rich. I want to have this great relationship because when I do, I'll feel better. They don't realize you need to focus on feeling better first. Amen. Allowing the right relationship, the right person to come, and the right life to come to you by using this machine the right way.
0: You mentioned or you said the word release. You have to release and that kind of triggers something in me. So the question that I have is in dealing with a fear that you have, be it uh, I'll be alone all my life, I'll never get a chance to experience certain things and whatever you think about what others are thinking or how you feel. That's just so you work with that fear you define it and maybe that fear is really just the top layer do you have Mm -hmm. to go deeper than just what that fear is say the fear is i'll never find anyone and i'll be alone all the rest of my life and let's just say that's the fear but the question i have is twofold is that truly the fear or are there other deeper rooted beliefs
1: it's a combination of fears but here's the thing the problem with the word release um even though i used it is that it implies for the People want to release but they don't know how. They think that just by meditating or using a whole lot of positive words and, or just saying, I just release it. That doesn't release because your brain is determined to make you survive. And again, you're trying to think it through. You're trying to think things differently. I did this for years of telling myself positive thoughts. I used to carry around a little tape recorder in those days and listen to affirmations and trying to change the way I was thinking. But what I didn't realize was that it's a lot deeper than that. And your brain is a survival tool. And if you're going to activate the fear part of it, It's going to do whatever it can to not only keep you surviving from danger, but it's going to make you see the world as a dangerous place. That's its job. If a lion's running at you, your brain is going, where's all the danger? It's only focused on the negative when you're in that state. You can only see the negative because that's what it's designed to do. It's designed to to not miss any of the threats to your survival. It could be a snake in the grass. What's that sound in the tree? What's that other noise? What's that movement over there? That's what it's designed to do. And This is why many people bogged down down really, with the world, there are so many problems in the world, and they, oh, there's all these terrible things going on. What? Because they're in a fear state, and their brain is telling them that it's all that it can see. It can't see the beauty of the world, and when it comes to yourself and a relationship, if you're in that state, you can't see the beauty of yourself. Now, one of the ways we know this is maybe you have a friend, and I often say this to people, and it's sort of a little bit about what how neurostate rebalancing works, and it's a way to release fear if you do it the right way, and that is imagine your situation. That you're fear that a friend of yours said exactly the same things to you that you say to yourself. So in other words, a friend said, oh, I can't get a relationship. I'm too old. All the good ones are taken. I'm not attractive. And uh, and it's really hard and difficult. And you'd look at the friend and you'd look at them and you'd say, that's not true. You're a wonderful person. There are plenty of good people out there looking for someone like you. Why are you saying those things to yourself? And they're going, oh, no, I'm just not. Now, why can you see that they're a wonderful person, attractive, got lots of things about them, lots to offer to somebody? Body and that there's lots of opportunity. You can see that, but they can't. The reason they can't see it is because their brain isn't letting them see it. But you're not emotionally attached. You don't have those same beliefs. You're not in their situation, if you like. So your brain can see the big picture. It can see the truth about them. And that's what you need to be able to do for yourself is see the truth about you. Because If you would be looking at them and say, look, get out there, meet other people. You're a really attractive person. See who shows up. You're going to be amazed. It's great. It's exciting that someone great will come along and they're sitting in their little house worried about themselves. And if anyone shows any interest in them, they're like, oh, might be the wrong person. And, oh, I'm a bit scared because I'm not attractive. So they don't act in an attractive way. It's all because their brain is trying to protect them from what it sees as a danger rather than seeing the truth about themselves that they are a good person. It's wonderful things available to them in the world and they can have anything they want, do anything they want, be anything they want to make themselves truly happy because their brain is designed to ensure that's what they're designed biologically right. for.
0: Okay so in the courses and programs that you've created to support a person who wants to perhaps tap into who they truly are and understand more of how they would like to show up if they feel that they're not showing up as their authentic self their beautiful self what are some of the things or can you share one of the programs you have that would actually support a person who may have a certain perception of themselves that's based in fear that they would like to actually transform into much more abundance if you will
1: my main program that i teach all of this stuff in a lot more detail about how your brain works and there are other things you need to consider about this whole fear thing as well but my main program it's called rebalance your brain for success that's where i teach neurostate rebalancing as a process to get your brain to see the difference between real fears, because you you still have to have fears. If a lion or a car is coming at you've you still got to react. But you want your brain to see that as a real fear, whereas all of these other things that we're afraid of being alone, that they're not threats to our survival and they're imaginary fears. So you really need to do three things, and this is what I teach in the program. Firstly, you need to understand how your brain works and that it's a machine that's guaranteed to make you the best you can be if you use it the right way. Just like a motor car is a machine guaranteed to get you to your destination in a comfortable enjoyable way if you drive it properly but if you don't you're worried and you're doing all the wrong things you're going to end up with problems okay. so that's the first thing the second thing is to really understand and you do when you understand your brain how it works that your enemy is fear and so many people are putting so much stuff into their life that's making them feel afraid and they call it reality you've got to be realistic but it's not reality at all if it makes you feel bad it's activating the wrong part of your brain and it's not allowing you to operate properly neurostate rebalancing is the third thing Neurostate rebalancing is a process to say, all right, I'm not putting any more stuff in to make me feel bad, but I still have things that make me feel bad when I shouldn't, I'm too old or I'm afraid of a new relationship or whatever. So neurostate rebalancing gets into your brain and as I said earlier, teaches it the difference between a real fear and an imaginary fear. And once you do that, you will activate that part of your brain, the fear-based part of your brain, when you need to get out of the way of a car or whatever it is. The rest of the time, you live in your natural creative state, expecting and knowing the best is going to come to you and it does. And that might be ending the relationship you're already in. It might be forming a new relationship with somebody else. You don't know, but your creative brain knows. Your thinking brain doesn't know. Your thinking brain only knows what you put into it ever since you were born. It's a library of your experience. It doesn't know everything, but your creative brain does. It knows what you need and what you need to do and what needs to happen in your life to give you the greatest chance for survival. And when you really understand that and you allow that part of your brain, allow that part to operate your life, that's when it works. And that's the big difference between my old life didn't really work with all that struggle and my new life that goes in the right direction. First thing is understanding your brain. Second is understanding or eliminating the input of fear. And the third is to use a process like neurostate rebalancing to get your brain to see that what's already in there needs a bit of cleaning up, that it's got the wrong idea, if you like, about what it should be afraid of and what it shouldn't be.
0: So is there a time parameter around your programs or your courses as you're working with your clients?
1: This is all an online program. So people can do it at their own pace because it's all through audios and worksheets. Often with live coaching or I particularly found this with counseling is that it's really helpful to be able to listen to the same information more than once so that you understand it better. Whereas often I used to go to counseling and what did they say (laughs) when I came out? Yes. It's a lot more powerful, I found, this format where people can listen to audio. And really think I need more time to think about that or I'll go back to that so it works really well.
0: Very good so is there additional support as you actually sign on for that program and you're moving through it at your own pace are there support mechanisms if you have a question about something or would like a consultation
1: with you? Oh, absolutely I, I, I certainly do a lot of one-on-one through zoom or whatever type work as well I'm available for people for anything they don't understand or they want more support.
0: I would imagine that the support would be important to have, at least for those who are really trying to affect change or experience some type of transformation to know that they have an opportunity to either connect with you or someone
1: like you. You don't need to go out and try and fix your outside. You just need to fix the way this machine is working. That's where my focus in helping people where I've seen the most difference is to put the focus on your machine, how you're working, not trying to use something wrong the wrong way and trying to somehow get a result because it's just not the way it works.
0: First things first so what's the most direct way of contacting you
1: just everything's on my website which is just my name liamnaden.com
0: i have enjoyed our conversation it certainly is enlightening in terms of what we actually have control of which is this thing between our ears (laughs) and how to make it work in the right way to give us the opportunity to have the best life we want so thank you for being a guest on the next experience liam thank you
1: thank you for having me it's been great talking to you thank you
0: thank you Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Next Chapter Experience. If you have already subscribed, rated, and left a review, or shared this podcast with a friend, many, many thanks. For questions, comments, or feedback, reach out to me at Jeanette Lisette at NextChapterExperience.com. We'll be back with more conversations, so until then, keep that fire burning.